Hello, everyone. This is Keith Cup, founder of Gravitas Impact Premium Coaches, a worldwide community of experienced, skilled, and purpose-driven advisors who help CEOs and their leadership team get results and live their purpose through their business leadership. Today, we're going to talk about messaging, simple messaging. We have the founder of Simple Messaging, David Mann, coming to us from Minneapolis in the great state of Minnesota. David, welcome to the podcast. Well, it's great to be here, Keith. Thanks for having me. Okay, great to have you uh, here on the podcast too. And so, David, we have CEOs and C-levels, executives listening in and founders and owners of business. So messaging is really, really important to to their lives. And uh, your concept of simple messaging, I think, is going to ring true today. And prior to the podcast, we talked about uh, the problem that you want to help leaders solve. Could you share what that is, David? Yeah, most companies know who they are and what their service or product is and what makes them special and different. And then they can't express any of that in simple, plain language. When that happens, they lose the connection with their ideal customers because ideal customers don't understand what they do or it doesn't resonate with them. And that's lost right there, right out of the gate, some potential connection. And so a company may do really good work, invest a lot of resource and time and effort and knowing what they have to offer, but then kind of drop the ball as they turn and message it to the market. Is that correct, David? That's exactly, it happens all the time. So much work is put into identifying the ideal customer and the demographics or the psychographics of that customer, or in in, uh, coming up with your why, you know, all of these things, core values, all, so much effort is put into that. What I see is then, that all needs to translate to the customer. It needs to be carried over to the customer so they hear it, understand it, and it resonates with them. That is essentially an act of language. It has to be put into language, but simply just saying your why in language and putting it on your website doesn't really work. Simply just explaining what you do doesn't really work. So it's gotta capture all that in plain language very, very quickly. So that customers go, oh yeah, that's me. And that's something I need and something that I want. What I find is that that doesn't, that translation usually doesn't happen, particularly not in language. You might hire a big, huge marketing company to do all kinds of fancy marketing and it may look great, but the words are either too generic or the words are way too technical and specific and and just lost on people. And right there, there's a broken potential bond it could have been a bond, but it was broken before it really was ever made. And this is the invisible customers that drift away that you never knew you would have had <laughs> if you had had a simple, clear message right out of the gate. I, I love that simple, clear message. So let's bookmark there. I want to come back and develop that. But for our audience, um, as a messaging expert, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what gives you the strength, the experience to focus in this area. I have worked with business owners and also with litigation attorneys for uh, over a decade, uh, close to 15 years now. All of this is based on my background as a theater actor, director, and playwright. And particularly, I used to do a lot of one-person shows, so I would write and perform. The reason that's such a, a, a relevant piece to connect with this is that my whole entire professional career has been centered around the idea of 
taking words and making them connect to an audience. In the case of an actor, or especially a one-person show actor, you can tell right away whether you've connected or whether you've lost them. You can feel it in your bones. You're standing there, you're looking right at them, and you've lost them or you've connected with them. There's really no, other than the context, there's really no difference between that and connecting with a customer or with a jury. So I've worked with businesses of all sizes and creating messages that connect with audiences uh, all over the place. And in my role as a, a legal consultant, I've uh, worked with attorneys on opening statements that have won you know, millions and millions of dollars sometimes uh, because they will credit it a lot to because the story is so clear and the words the story is spoken in is clear, plain language that resonates with regular people. And that's uh, just a little bit about my background there. <laughs> well, and I appreciate that, David. We've known you in the Gravitas community for probably about six, seven years, <clears throat> and you trained our coaches on communication a couple of times. So we've seen you in action and I have come to appreciate your ability to effectively communicate. And then one other thing, just to mention to our listening audience, uh, David is also an adjunct professor at the Loyola School of Law in Chicago. So uh, right. he's got uh, excellent pedigree. So David, let's turn back, uh, restate the big idea again, and then let's, uh, let's go into some depth there. Well, the big, the big problem is that um, companies know who they are and what they offer and what makes them different, but they're not able always to translate that to language that resonates with customers or clients. So, you know, what I do with people is, is with companies, with business leaders, is work on unpacking all of that. So I can get into how that's done or the stages of that, if that's what you're what, uh, wanting to go to next. Yes. And, and you used a term a little bit earlier um, in your opening comments about the bond that is never created, it, it isn't created because there is not a simple, clear, compelling message. So tell us how that is crafted. Uh, what is the process to get it right? Well, the first, pro the first piece of the process, which can either be done, it can be done a number of ways, is to really identify what your customer's story is. People, a lot of people are familiar with Donald Miller's story brand. Uh, the, the whole process that he uses. That's exactly what I'm talking about is um, avoiding what I call the Weemiyas problem. So the Weemiyas problem, it's, if you can see it written out, W-E-I-M-U-S, Weemiyas. A lot of messages are focused on me, we, I, us. That's what, you know, the, the, is, is in the language it's we do this, we offer this, we value this, we are all about this, and this is what matters to us, and this is you know where we sit with things. The first stage in getting a message to resonate is to reverse that entirely and make the customer the 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 hero of the story, as Donald Miller says. Make make the the customer the main character. You are not the main character. They are, and you are there to guide them toward their success. So a very, very simple hero's journey narrative. And you, you sort of fill this out. If you look at it, it's usually the first thing I do with, with clients of mine is, okay, who's your customer and what are they trying to achieve? And usually the answer to that question often is not exactly the right answer. They'll, they'll say, well, what they're trying to achieve is, the, you know, they just want to get a low price on uh, whatever service that we offer. And they just want it to be done in a timely manner. And I go, no, that's really not what they're trying to achieve. <laughs> Your service is not what keeps them up at night. It's something else, you know. 
So what is your customer's actual definition of what they really want? And you start to work that out and ask that question and then go, we as a company fit into the middle of their story. We are in the middle helping them get to their success. Now, this may be a familiar concept to you, but when, when I start asking uh, business owners about this, it usually takes some time for them to kind of get their mind reversed so that it's not when you ask, what do you do? What does your company do? Or what, does it, what service does it provide? You want, them, you want the answer not to be, well, we do this and we do that. You want the answer to be most companies, most people are wrestling with this and this and this problem, and they want this and this and this outcome. And what we do is help them get that outcome. So that has to be how it is articulated. And that way people sit up and take notice right away and go, oh, you're talking to me, you know? And David, I want to review for the audience real quick, and you can kind of uh, correct me on this, the concept of the hero's journey before we go on to the second step. So as I understand it, and I think of Donald Miller when he talks about Star Wars and Luke Skywalker, um, a, a character or an individual has a problem, and then they meet a guide. So yeah. he meets Yoda, uh, who then gives them a plan. Okay, think of a solution. Uh, and then calls them, challenges them to an action that usually is beyond themselves. And then the story ends in either success or if they don't take the action, it can uh, lead to failure. Is that generally the hero's journey? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very, very simplified version of the hero's journey. And it's the simplified version that we are used to seeing in movies. That's why the reference references to Star Wars, and sometimes I use the movie Jaws, you know, the Hunger Games. Um, we're used to that incredibly simplified, a hero has a problem, meets a guide, either succeeds or fails. You know, the real hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, um, is much more complicated, much more myth mythologically oriented, and much more kind of internal to a human. But there's no, you don't need that. You really just need this simplified version. And it's pretty much, it's pretty classic. Though there are many versions of stories that customers may, you know, it may not always be quite as clear as they want, you know, this certain kind of outcome at the end um, that's, you know, all about like money or success or something like that. They always want something. There's something that they are striving for or they would not be seeking out your service. <laughs> they need something else, you know, that they are, that they're striving for. And that's where it matches up pretty well. You know, I really connect uh, with that, David, and you know, our community well, um, often what I see in, in customers or people on the hero's journey, they, they want to overcome something, but it's beyond what they believe they can do. And yeah. we see that with our coaches, we see really good skilled coaches come in, but they're, they're either stuck or they're, they're not happy or they're dissatisfied. They're restless because they know there's a greater outcome. But to overcome that takes courage and risk and other things. Um, and I appreciate you mentioned Campbell because it, it really shows part of the basis of your expertise is you know the deeper treatment here. You know the complexity uh, of the true hero's journey from, from his work. Um, right, David, right. Take, take us to step two. Okay. Uh, so uh, hero's journey uh, and overcome the we, me, I, uh, step two. Yeah. 
Well, the, the, there's a lot of ways to go after you d- define, you know, what, who your customer is in that sort of story, story uh, uh, format. Um, the, the, the next thing that you, the, what we're ultimately aiming to do is get this to be in language that will resonate and will be able to be uh, repeated, you know, by your own team and also by, you know, customers who want to recommend you. So that's what we're aiming for. Now, here's the thing that happens in a second stage as I start, I start to working with people on this, is I, I look at what they're currently using as their marketing concept, okay? And what I will see is usually one of two th- things. I'll either see that it's really generic and it sort of says the same thing everybody else is saying, low prices, good quality, you know, something like that. Or in the case of professional services, it's we help you build your bottom line and increase revenue. I mean, you know, the same stuff. Or it's so dense and technical that you have to be an expert even to understand what they're saying. It'll usually be one of those two things. And so both of those uh those things, the, in, you know, the examples I gave are low prices and great quality or really technical. They're, they're both share a, a, a common problem. And that problem is that that marketing language is aimed at the customer who's just about ready to buy. Mm-hmm. When the customer is just about ready to pull the trigger, they're concerned with what the price is. And, you know, they're concerned with the technical minutia of what you offer. And that is usually the biggest mistake that's made is that is that it's really easy, really easy to talk to that customer and just say, hey, buy from us rather than the people next door. Because that basically, metaphorically, that customer standing there with money in their hand, where should I put the money? You know, right. mm-hmm. and we tend to think that customers are always at that stage and we keep speaking just to that stage. But the truth is, there's a brand new book out now called Demand Side Sales, which is just phenomenal, and and it gets into this, but this is something I've been working on for a while now. Um, The truth is, or the best spot to hit the customers is when they first start thinking that they might have a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you can direct your marketing concept to that stage, when they go, you know, I'm not quite like uh, in the case of say a mattress, you know, a, a mattress company, rather than saying, hey, we've got this, this brand and this brand and this brand, and we've got these prices, these prices, that's a, aiming to our customer who already knows they want a particular mattress and may, do you carry that mattress? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As opposed to the customer who's going, you know, I'm not getting a good night's sleep. I, I really don't feel good in my life because my body hurts and I'm kind of not well rested. Mm-hmm. That's a customer at a different stage. They haven't yet thought I want a mattress. They're, they've thought I have a life problem, you know, and I want a particular kind of sort of life outcome. If you can speak to that, you're going to grab a hold of a lot of customers that you might have lost otherwise, because they might have found a different solution to their problem. Or, or they might have just wandered away from the problem altogether and gone, I'll deal with it another day, you know. Um, that's what I try to get into is aim your message to the early stage of the customer's problem, not the late stage. You can always speak to that stage. It's easy. Aim it to the early stage and you get more. So that's, uh, that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's powerful uh, to go going upstream. And in a few minutes, I want to come back and ask a question about that. So 
So what is your customer story? Uh, use language that resonates upstream. Yeah. Uh, and what's the third uh, stage or step, David? The, first, the last thing then, which is basically the bulk of what I work on with people, is developing a fresh idea about what makes you different and then finding the familiar language to express that in. So I'll unpack that a little bit to say, you need a new idea. You need to be, ex language, language is the expression of an idea. Language doesn't just exist in a vacuum. Language is, a, is an attempt to express an idea. Now that idea might be expressed in multiple forms of language, but the idea has to be sound and has to be interesting in order for any of the way that you, ways that you try to put it into language to matter. So if you have a really boring idea, a really generic, tired, old idea, it doesn't matter what, la what language you try to dress it up in, it's still going to be expressing a tired idea. So I try to go, what is the best idea that this company has? What's the, of the many things that you offer, what is the one that make, that you go, that everybody sits up and goes, oh, they do that? Oh, that's a, that's a mindset they have? Oh, that's a value they have? Wait, what's the thing that's unique as an idea? And then we take that and go, now, how can we take that idea and put it into words? And the words might be, um, you know, several sentences long and, and we'll work on whittling it down to just the essence and the, the core couple of words that really capture it. And that language cannot be um, either, you know, really kind of creative, you know, like I'm going to make up words and stuff. I've seen people really try to cre almost create their own language right. in an effort to be different. Mm -hmm. And I go, no, no one knows what that word is, you know, or so technical that you have to be an expert to know what they're talking about. Those that doesn't work. It has to be familiar enough but unique enough at the same time that it doesn't sound like everybody else. That's a needle to thread. But if you can thread that needle, people will listen. And that's the, the ideal simple message is what that is. So, so David, make that real for us. Is, do you have an example of a company yeah. you've worked with to put some meat on the bones of the concept, please? Yeah, there's this, the best example I think I can come up with is a, a company that that uh, that I've worked with for a while because uh, the leader of it is a really good friend of mine um, named Ryan Tansom, who has his own podcast. It's very good too. Uh, and basically they help business owners clarify their intention and then provide the advice and tools to, so that they can achieve what they want, you know, wealth, enjoyment, impact, things like that. So that's what they basically do. Now, when I met Ryan a few years ago, he was doing something that was more on the level of helping people, helping companies, uh, you know, with their, their financial strategies. And he felt that wasn't really what he was best at and his company would be best at, but that's what all their marketing seemed to say. And I was helping with a keynote and in helping him with the keynote presentation, I said, you got to get your concepts into sort of like uh, containable packages and that became the, these five ideas that became his five pillars. And as soon as he had that, he started to go around and talk about that. But he was still calling the company something that had to do with growth and exit planning. And he felt very bound by this exit planning. It felt very final and it felt very exclusive. If you keep talking about, this is what I'm talking about, like a concept that no matter how you express it, it's still going to come out as exit planning somehow. Mm -hmm. 
He goes, what about all the business owners that don't want to exit? They want to do some other kind of transition, but not exit. It also feels like death to a business owner who spent their whole life, you know, trying to build the business. Well, what happens after you exit? You know, he didn't want to use that type of word or language, but we, we spent a long time trying to figure out what it would be. And one time we were talking and working on this and he kept using the word we're we're helping them with their, uh, you know, with their intentions and, and getting their intentions straight. And I said, well, then that's your word. You have to use the, take the word intention and make that the centerpiece of all your marketing. So now their company, which is now called Arcona, is, is their front and center and everything they do is intentional growth. Mm-hmm. We help you with intentional growth. And in those two words, it sounds like something that, that the, the, the client has all the agency. They have all the ability to decide which direction they're going to go because it's their intention and it's all about growth. So if they want to exit, great. If they want to transition to uh, uh, you know, one of their sons or daughters, great. If they, anything, it's all on the, you know, the words contain the idea. And intentional is, is a familiar word but it's not an overused word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that became the perfect way to get th- that to uh, happen. And now we've worked on all their, dis- redoing all their descriptions to center on that concept. And it's it worked like gangbusters for them. They are just growing like crazy. And a lot of it's because their clients understand, understand them in a different way than they did before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. David, one uh, one question I want to ask uh, before we begin to turn towards uh, um, an action and some closing here. When you move in, in stage two, um, language that resonates, when you move upstream, does that change the channel your message gets to your ideal core customer or, or not? Uh, when you move, you're talking about when you move up to the first part of the buying process or the first yes. box? Yeah. In, in your mattress example, um, people downstream, uh, they're just seeing if you have what they may want, but yeah. upstream, upstream, you're trying to solve a problem of getting rest is what I heard. Does that, yeah. does moving upstream change how you message the channel you go through and what might that look like? Yeah, definitely changes the, the nature of the message because you're expressing a different type of idea. So I'll give you a slightly more dialed in version of the mattress one. Mm-hmm. I'm currently working with a, 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 a furniture, a B2C company that's a furniture sale, uh, company. And this is the exact thing that we worked on. They, part of what they do is mattresses, but the, they have a broader thing of furni- furniture. And they, so I said, all right, you, all your marketing right now is saying, um, we have all these different kinds of furniture and we can give you discounts in all these various ways. And of course, the pictures are gorgeous. The site is, everything is beautiful to look at. But I'm like, you're, all you're st- still doing is selling the product and product choices. So let's put on a board all the things that you guys offer. You've got great selection. You've got a great location or multiple locations. You're locally owned. These are all valuable things to it. And I put them all on a chart. There was like about six things that they felt were their best, you know, features. One of those features was that all of their floor reps uh, were basically designers, basically people who could take an idea, any idea at any point and turn it into a reality 
for the customer, mm-hmm. not just direct them to the, here we have these three brands of couches, but actually say, hey, what do you want to do with your room? Mm-hmm. And then help them put that together. And I said, all right. So if I'm your target customer, I'm about the right age and you know income and whatever, mm-hmm. and I walk in this store, I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm frustrated with is that I kind of have an idea in my head of sort of what I want out of my living room, right? But I have zero idea how to. And in other words, I want my living room to feel a certain way. I want my 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 living room to um, have a particular type of style, but that I can barely define. So I could sit there and sort of tell this floor rep like my kind of like chaotic, you know, nonsense of an impression of what I want. And that floor rep's going to guide me to how to make that a reality. Is that what you're saying? And they went, yeah, yeah, they can do that. And I was like, well, then why is that not the front and center thing that you're saying in your marketing? Because that's, that's going to resonate with people. So that changed all the direction we went with their messaging. And now their tagline is going to be make it happen Mm -hmm. with this furniture company rather Mm -hmm. than get a good deal at this furniture company. It's make it happen. We loved that, uh, you know, I don't know how to make it happen. Can you, yes, you can make it happen. Great. I'm, I'm your customer now. Uh-huh. So that's, that's how it did exactly d- very much change the wording. Selling on price and messaging rarely leads you to the profitable company you want. Selling right. to solve the problem and then having that operationalized. And what I heard you say is the talent, the differentiation in the skill of the talent, design thinking and ability is their human capital, their talent differentiator that connects with their strategy and their messaging. That is brilliant. Yeah. I mean, they, they had, it's, it's one of those classic examples of being so close to it that you can't even see what is making you truly different. They, they saw that as one of many things that they had to offer. I'm like, well, yes, it is, but it's also the best thing. And it's the one that nobody else in your space is offering. Don't you see how, utterly valuable that is. <laughs> you know? well, see, that, and that's the challenge we leaders have in our businesses, right? We are so much in the day-to-day working eight, nine, 10 hours, and our teams are too, that we, you know, we lose the forest for the tree where our nose is right in front of it. And so yeah. part of what you do then, David, is help the team who may know themselves well, kind of extract themselves from the day-to-day get to a higher level, climb the mountain and look down on where their beauty and their differentiation is, and then message that. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. And the messaging is the the main thing that I, the messaging, meaning the wording, putting it into actual words Mm -hmm. is, as I said at the beginning, usually the piece that people think is just going to happen on its own. They can get up to that mountaintop and look down and, and see what they've got that's different. They can do all that. And go, all right, now all we got to do is just tell people that. And then they don't know how to tell people that. (laughs) And they end up going back to their old habits. Even though they've now seen it from the mountaintop, they don't know how to say it in a way that's going to resonate. When they try to say it, a lot of times it'll be a big blob and a big long-winded thing. And, you know, they won't, it won't, it won't have impact. You want it to always be like between the eyes. I feel it as well as hear it, you know? That's what good messaging is. Now, David, you're making me feel guilty, so I better move us along here. <laughs> so, so for our audience, our listening audience, leaders, 
let's bring it to an action. What one action would you want them to take to not only have learned in this podcast today from you as an expert, but now they want to take action and go put this to work? What, what would you uh, give them to do, David? Well, simply put, it's take a look at take a look at your company and ask yourself, is my, is the company's identity clear? And is that clear identity represented in all the channels of marketing and are all those channels aligned in their messaging? It's the simplest thing you can do. Take a snapshot of where you're at and ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Is it clear who we are and why we're different? And is that represented in words, sometimes words plus pictures in all the channels? So I have a handy tool for doing that and some other things that you can do too. Um, you can see a picture of, of it on my website at asimplemessage.com or a downloadable PDF that you can get on the Gravitas website here next to this podcast. And David, that was asimplemessage.com is your site? Yes. Okay, excellent. Well, everyone, thanks for listening in. David, thanks for joining us today. And don't forget, everyone, we're going to do part two. Uh, we'll bring this to a close. This is the business essence value to the audience. But uh, David and I are going to have a part two in a few minutes. It's about 10 to 12 minutes. And we're going to learn more about David's personal purpose, why he does what he does in life with his career. David, thank you again for joining us. All right. Thanks, Keith. My pleasure. Hey everyone, uh, Keith Cup here from Gravitas Impact Premium Coaches, and we're now delving into part two of our podcast uh, with David Mann, the founder of A Simple Message, and uh, we'll talk to David in, in a little bit about uh, what the problem to solve is and what that looks like, a recap of part one, but really what we want to get to, we want to get into the heart of David uh, as a fellow leader and what makes him tick. On part two, we really want to understand the purpose behind the person, and uh, let's let's get over to that here in a minute. But David, welcome back, and could you recap the problem to solve um, and a little bit from part one in our podcast? Sure. All right, Keith. Uh, great to be here again. Yeah, so the problem is that business owners, companies, really often have a good, clear idea who they are, what they offer, why it's cool, why it's different. And then they can't express any of that in simple language. They try, they try, they try. And they may not even know that they're missing out on potential customers just because those customers are confused about what they do, or it just simply doesn't resonate with them. So that's the problem that I get into solving with companies. And the way that I do that essentially is to ask them, well, who is your customer? And I ask them that to make them go deep. Like, how does your customer think? Not just a collection of demographics. How do they think? And what does that customer feel? And what do they really want to achieve? And that sometimes takes some work, but it's all that hero's journey idea of get the, the, the customer should be the, the, uh, the main character uh, they're the main character of their story. You are there to be a guide or a helper to their success, not the other way around. So we get that straightened out. And then we start to look at, well, where is your what does your marketing sound like right now? What are your messages right now? And often, just about all the time, I would say, marketing messaging is 
inadvertently aimed only at the end of the buying process, the buying consideration process where the customer is going, I'm about ready to buy. So where should I turn to this, buy this thing that I want? So that's how you get messages that are overly technical or overly cost you know, driven. So we, I like to re- reorient them back to the early part where the customer is just thinking they have a problem in the first place. And then once we've sorted that out, we start to go, what's the brand new fresh idea that you can offer and putting that fresh idea into really nice, succinct, familiar language so that in the end, uh, a potential customer hears about you the first time and goes, hey, those are my people. They're, they're uh, offering a thing that's really going to help me. And it all happens in an instant. That's the goal. Thank you, David. It's a great process. And for those listening in, David mentioned on his website, or you can go to the gravitasimpact.com site, there is a tool that has a diagram that will help further this. But now, David, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about, let's learn what makes you tick. Um, every one of us in life, uh, as leaders or just individuals, we have a purpose. Some have really gotten in touch with their purpose aligning what they do with their purpose in life, why they're on this earth. Talk a little bit about what makes you tick and what's your personal purpose? Well, my, my heart and soul has always been with expression of language. My background, as I said in the last one, is theater uh, and words on a stage expressed to an audience. And I found that, it, you know, I, although I was classically trained as an, as an actor and director, I've done all of that in a very conventional sense, my heart and soul with theater was always most ignited by writing my own material and performing it on a stage. Mm -hmm. So literally standing in front of an audience and doing very, very highly prepared language that appeared to be effortless. Mm -hmm. It appeared that I just walked out on stage and started talking and here I am. And Oh, what do you know? I got all these stories sort of like stand-up comedy, but I was never all that attracted to stand-up comedy because it can be very abrasive and vulgar and stuff. And I just was like, well, I I don't, I want to tell stories and I wanted to have depth to it, not just cause laughs, you know, even though most of what I did had comedy in it. So that became the basis for my, where I felt that's where I, that's where David exists best is in the space between the written words and the oral delivery and connecting with an audience in real time with a shared experience that's expressed in language. And that was the thing about that is that that's though that's where my heart and soul is. It's really difficult to make anything resembling a good living from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the odds are just about zero, especially when you make it so specific. <laughs> it's got to be storytelling, you know, and it, not stand-up comedy and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. So that drove me to try to solve that problem another, to try to find my heart and soul, but in a different medium. Mm-hmm. And it took me a very long time, to be honest, but I believe I have found it again. And, and so let's talk about two things you mentioned, <clears throat> uh, the very long time to find, but also maybe before that, where do you trace this passion for communication to? Is this something you developed as a young boy or in high school? Where was the origin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know exactly where it originated. I think I just, I, I've had a 
I've had an aptitude for language ever since I can remember. I was moved up from kindergarten to first grade because I learned to read before everybody else, you know, stuff like that. But I think that the, the origin of the passion for this, to be honest, came from always feeling confused. I felt, I, I was like, why don't I understand things faster? Why don't I understand what this person is telling me instantly? What, why do I, you know, what's the problem? And I always thought it was me. I always thought, oh, I can't understand what they're telling me because I'm dumb or I'm slow or something like that. And it took me well into my adulthood to go, no, actually it's not me. I'm pretty sharp. I can pick things up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. This person is making whatever they're trying to tell me so horrendously complicated and not really taking any effort to consider whether I care or not about what they're saying. You know, they're not looking into my eyes and seeing that I'm bored or drifting off. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're just rambling off what they feel like saying right now. So it's not me, it's them. And I thought I can help them with that. A lot of people don't have any ill intent with it. They're just kind of blind. They just, they don't know they're doing this. And then I thought, well, you can translate that to, whole businesses that do this, that just blurt out whatever they want to say in their marketing. And it just falls flat because they didn't really consider, does this even, is this landing with the listeners or not? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really been a life lifetime of feeling, well, I don't anymore, but I originally felt kind of left out because I felt I'm not understanding things. And wow. uh, that's where that came from. Yeah, that, that's pretty insightful. And, and this challenge applies to uh, interpersonal relationships, business communication. And, and I love how you just describe that, because <clears throat> we all have a responsibility to be clear, compelling communicators with the people that we love or want to spend time uh-huh. with. Now, that's our family, our partner in life, but also the customers we serve. And so I can see that's, that's where that uh, comes together. David, one thing we've found about uh, leaders and their purpose, um, and sometimes it's part of their purpose, sometimes it's, it's not, but that's okay, is looking back on their life, uh, there was a, uh, a bit of adversity, challenge, something they've had to overcome, a very unexpected adverse event that helped shape them. As you look back on your, your life, your career, is there anything looking over your shoulder back? You'd say, Hey, Keith, yeah, this, Mm -hmm. this was painful or adverse, but it, or different. And this helps shaped who I am relative to this purpose. Well, I wouldn't say that there's anything like that. That's sort of from childhood or something um, or teenagehood. I think that that all went pretty smoothly, to be honest. Uh, I would say that my moment like that came when I was around late 30s to 40. And I had had the luxurious life of being able to actually just do theater for all those years. You know, I graduated from Northwestern in in, uh, 88 and was able to just go straight into being a theater professional and do just as I pleased. And I didn't need a ton of money. But then I was married and had our first child and brutally had to face the reality that you're just not going to make enough money doing this, this profession 
to support all this. Because in Minneapolis, you can do theater all day long if you want, but you're really not going to get a lot of money for it. You know, right? It's not, in other words, people might be confused. It isn't Hollywood or New York here. It's a thriving theater community, but it, it has a ceiling on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to face that reality kind of late in life. That was utterly brutal. And I had to go, there's got to be another way to use these same skills. And I don't mean going in and doing improv exercises with corporations. You've seen actors do that, and that's not, I'm not interested in that. Right. So um, it was incredibly painful for several years as I made that transition. I didn't want to do it, to be honest. I was like, I'm happy being a theater person. But I had to face the reality that I had to, or that I was stubborn enough not to go and try to find a middle management job somewhere, you know? Um, And it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened because I was able to find deeper application of of my passions than I had before, even bizarrely enough. Interesting. So in that, in that brutal reality, the adversity of economics, you were able still to follow your passion and find something beautiful that you have given your life to and, and continue to do so. Yeah, it's really, it's, this is the thing is there's a fallacy, I think, surrounding this idea of follow your passion. I think that that can be freeing, but I think it can also be very damaging to people. That co- concept that you have to follow your passion. Because I think what happens is people decide on a passion early on in life, and then they either, um, they usually sort of can't quite make it work, and they spend their rest of their days going, well, I'm not following my passion, so I'll do this second level thing instead. And they kind of feel like living this muted life, you know? And they don't really ever give themselves a chance to redefine what their passion is. And I was forced to redefine it. And not to say I lost it, although I did say that for a while, but that I lost my passion, I'm able to say, no, passion is a flexible concept. Mm -hmm. And we have lots of passions. So you, and it doesn't have to make you passionate every single minute of the day. If the overall direction you're going is something that you deeply care about, that's what matters most. And that can keep expanding as you get older. And I, as you say that, as we get ready to close here, uh, what resonates in my mind is you kept your purpose, but you found the passion to express it. Yes, very much. Yeah. Play together. So, well, David, last thing, uh, as a fellow business leader, what would you say to our audience listening in? So we've got um, C-level and and, uh, leaders. We have founders um, in companies across the globe. And as leaders, they always love to be challenged or learn something. What encouragement or challenge would you give them as a fellow leader to lead an even more impactful, greater life? Well, you know, I I think the first thing that pops to mind is uh, don't be afraid to be, uh, to have ups and downs to your career and your personal life where there's where it's not always growth, 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 growth. I mean, we all love that idea, but sometimes there's retreat and there's important retreat that has to happen in order to grow bigger than with the next wave. It was something I resisted for a long time, but when you can pull back and go, growth doesn't need to be a priority right this minute, you sometimes gather the strength 
to, to grow bigger the next time around. And that's what I would encourage people to just embrace that idea for a while. Okay. Give them permission to do that. So thank you for that. David Mann, founder and CEO of A Simple Message. David, how do people find you again on the web as we close? It's www.asimplemessage.com. Okay. Thanks for joining us today, David. You bet. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you'd like to hear more from our premium coaches, faculty thought leaders, and guest speakers, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or Spotify. Your feedback is very important to us. So please leave us a review. See you next time. And remember, making a difference together, that's Gravitas Impact.